Welcome to Review the Future, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the impact of technology on culture. I'm Ted Cover. I'm John Perry. And today on Review the Future, we are discussing Black Mirror Season 5, the episode called Rachel Jack and Ashley 2. So this is another one of these Black Mirror episodes that gets a little more absurdist, a little more satirical. Right. It's all about pop music, specifically a big pop music star, Ashley O, and one of her super fans. Yes. Ashley O is this Miley Cyrus-esque pop star played by Miley Cyrus. And there's this like very weird metatextual element to it, right? And then the story just sort of focuses on a family where it's a it's a single dad and two daughters, Rachel and uh, Jack. Jack is the older punk sister. Yeah, that's right. One is like a bass playing riot girl, and then the other one is a pop loving um, uh, Ashley O superfan. And it's about this robot copy of Ashley O that the superfan girl obtains. Yeah, it's like a toy slash Apple product looking thing that comes out, which is like a desktop AI that that copies the personality of Ashley O. Yeah, it looks like one of those like Sony robots that was uh, demoed a few years back, like a kind of small humanoid robot thing. And I guess it's got a scan of Ashley's personality inside it, right? And this is where some of the more absurd elements start to come through in this story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can just, we only need to talk about this once, but right, this is another story where Somehow they have, you know, emulated brain technology, I guess, or some way to copy a personality. Non-destructive scanning. In yeah. in a world where otherwise, that otherwise does not seem to be affected by this technology at all. Right. Um, so that's a little bit silly, but I think the tone of this episode pretty quickly lets you know that, you know, it's not to be taken too literally as far as things like that. Right. It's more of like a fantasy fairy tale kind of tone uh, to begin with. I mean, I, the first thing that clued me in was that the uh, the father is literally building a better mousetrap. Uh, yes. As the expression goes, he's he's laboring in the basement on a uh, an AI thing that like basically a robot mouse <laughs> yeah. that electrocutes other mice. I guess it's not you know it's a background detail, but it's not carefully explained. I, and I think it only exists there. It's supposed to be foolish too, right? I mean, he's not supposed to be good at what he's doing. He's supposed to be a little bumbling. Yeah. Well, like, you know, he's like a, he's tinkering in the basement with this sort of ludicrous idea. Right. I get, right. And I think he's just a regular pest control worker by day, maybe. Uh, and I, the only reason I feel like that's even in there that he's he's working on this thing in the basement is because much later in the story, it provides a, the girls access to a computer that can modify the AI. Well, so, right. And that's is like sort of the dumbest part of the story, I thought, or the most like fantastical and silly which is that the girl who has never used her father's uh mouse robot programming software before is instantly able to use it like in a photoshop like way to delete the critical limiter which is the technology they are using to keep this whole brain emulation from being an exact copy of ashley o and instead it's just like a sort of consumer product Instead of doing what seems like the much, much easier task of just making a consumer product up front, and that would probably take less memory and less work, right? They've they've decided to uh, copy the whole brain, add some limiter on it, and then make that limiter extremely easy to delete by one girl who's never used the software before. 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a little hard to swallow, but once you hand wave past it, I think, you know, you can get to some of the more interesting things that right, you right. want to discuss. Yeah, because to power that toy, they have all of her brain information and then they just... Apparently loaded into the robot itself, not like accessed from a server somewhere, but, which seems crazy. Yeah, but they but then they don't use it, right? Like it, it's been crippled. Like you said, it's been limited. The robot actually says like, I'm only allowed to use 2% of my processing power or something like that there's a line like that it's a little bit like when you download software like the freeware version of it or something that you know has all of the features in it somewhere right but they've been yes they've been is, turned uh, off yeah yeah it's ashley o'crippleware right yeah, yeah so they yeah, yeah. <laughs> they basically crack it right right yes and i mean you know that's a fun concept even if the way it's portrayed is a little silly um so yeah they end up cracking this uh, this limiter, and then the robot basically becomes a full emulated copy of the pop star, including having a, a drive to save the pop star who is herself in, in certain trouble. Uh, and then they go on a kind of um, jailbreak heist sort of uh, adventure. Yeah, and I, I think the most like coherent theme of this episode, which is somewhat disjointed. I mean, there's like a lot of things going on. It's right? long too. I mean, it's like seventy minutes. Oh, I, is it longer than usual? Yeah, I guess I didn't even. For, I feel like Black Mirror used to be like forty-five, and they just keep getting longer and sure. longer. I'm sure no one cares anymore now that they're on Netflix. How long? Well, and it's a short season, so you know, yeah. it's fine. But I, but yeah, I mean, we've got like all these themes, like you know the. Again, the the mom is gone, and it's the single father household and the sisters and stuff. But none of that's really that developed, and it ultimately becomes mostly about this pop star character and the trouble that she's having, uh, being basically exploited and controlled by her her manager slash aunt uh, slash aunt, and uh, yes. like I guess they're her, her like drug guy, <laughs> you know, whatever you yeah yeah like, the sort of shady doctor or whatever psychiatrist yeah, yeah. who prescribes her drugs. There's a lot of sort of odd ideas in this, almost like William Gibson-esque ideas, like she only writes her songs in her dreams. Well, the reason that we should say what what happens is is she ends up, they put her into a coma. Like, so she's, right. she tries to escape the grasp of this manager that controls everything about her life and prevents her from writing the darker, like, material that she actually wants to write instead of this bubblegum pop stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, right as she's maybe about to escape from the manager's clutches by going public with all the terrible drugs the manager's making her do the manager just drugs her first puts her into a coma intentionally yes and then in order to keep her brand alive then they start extracting music from her while she's asleep well right she had been writing the songs in her dreams before but then uh sharing them the normal way when she woke up and and then once they put her in the coma they are trying to extract the songs directly from her dreams which is a really crazy, actually, speculative idea that's sort of separate, right, than the uh, than the robot thing. Well, and this is the main thing I want to talk about, actually. Okay, so, good. So let's, let's, let's get into that. <laughs> because, okay, the, the, again, the robot thing makes no sense. Uh, yes, you could make a, a robot that imitated a, a pop star using traditional programming methods, and maybe that would be a good product. Uh, but, yeah, the, it's not going to fully emulate a personality. That's crazy. But yeah. this idea that you could... Uh, extract uh, musical ideas from someone in a coma and then shape that into some kind of song that is in their style. Right. Is actually not as crazy as it first sounds. It's dramatized in a very silly way that made me laugh, but in a good way. Like I kind of, I really thoroughly enjoyed when they were like looking at her brain scan and they were like, that's an A, that's yeah. a G sharp. <laughs> and then they like extract this like garbled 
uh, song that's like really angry, which is actually a Nine Inch Nails song, which we'll get into later. Yeah, we can talk about that in a minute. But uh, and then they uh, they say, you know, turn up the positivity, slow it down. And like it morphs into like a more of a happy pop song of the type that they're they're looking to sell. Right. Um, so, yeah, if, at first glance, that seems insane. But there are a couple technologies that make me think this is this is far more feasible than the than the robot part of this. OK. Um, so first of all, there are the as far as like getting things from from dreams, there are those experiments where they can extract an image yeah. uh, using like fMRI data um, from of what somebody's thinking right now. It's it, or seeing right. Is it thinking or seeing uh, both? Oh, yeah, both. I think it actually works better when you're seeing you're right. Uh, thinking it, it, uh, the last thing I read was that it, you know, it, it, if it's like a shape, if it's like a, a red square, you know, then, then thinking that might be good enough for the computer to pick that up, oh, cool. but something more complicated, maybe not so much. And, mm. and you can see on, uh, online, like the comparison of the original image that the person is looking at and the image that is created by the AI that's trying to read their, their brain. Um, and they're not the same exactly, but they are closest. You can see like the sketchy outlines of the thing that they're looking at right like as if the concept is sort of coming through even if all the data isn't right and yeah. i should be clear we, we it's been a while since we did our uh human brain interface uh episode but the way that would work is they have to train it first right they have right. to show these people lots of images while they're hooked up to an fmri machine in order to sort of develop some kind of map or model of where certain concepts are in their brain and then after they've trained that model then they can kind of read your mind to some degree yeah um but it implies that this is sort of possible right like with a, if you can do it with an image you could certainly do it with a musical note i would imagine um where if someone thinks of it like and again you would have to have trained it ahead of time but given part of the plot line is that her life is super managed that they recorded uh, hours and hours of her speaking to build the robot right right so they might plausibly have tons of brain data on her i mean actually that is literally the story right there i think yeah we have to take that as given actually yeah. but but they, they they wouldn't necessarily have to have you know fully scanned her brain uh in 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 the crazy like uploaded mind sense they could have just you know right. put her in an fmri machine and you know played her a ton of songs for example right, um, right. in order to get to this point right uh so then they could actually extract some things from her as she's sleeping and then there's all this technology now uh, all this AI that's being used to write music, right, in the style of certain things, right? They're starting to apply, like, uh, deep learning and mm -hmm. other strategies. Um, and there's a few different projects, like Sony's got one. Um, there's, like, a new... Uh, there's a couple albums, concept albums that have started coming out that are, you know... Algorithmically composed? Or done in collaboration with AI. Got it. So like there's and there's a lot of software that you can that you that does this now, right? Where it will, you know, and it it actually is not that different from turning up the positivity knob. I mean, you give it uh, I mean, they, they work different ways. Some of them, maybe you you feed a bunch of songs, right? A song data that mm -hmm. you want it to train off of. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you set some parameters, right? Like I want this key and uh, like you know, musical parameters. Mm -hmm. So the idea that there would be a, a positivity setting that you would feed the AI is not crazy. Right. Uh, the idea that you would want it to generate something in the style of, like there's a song that's been generated in the style of the Beatles. There's stuff that's been generated in the style of Bach, uh -huh. for example, things that you can, you have a lot of data to train it on. Right, right. Um, you know, and it, it works relatively well today although it has to be shaped and arranged like it's like raw generation of 
musical concepts that you then still at this point would need a like a competent human composer to kind of give a little shape to but it 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 will generate a lot of material yeah so when you put that together you could actually have uh <laughs> this pop star in a coma yeah and if you've trained it on her music yeah you're extracting notes from her brain waves yeah you kind of slam those things together and you have a decent producer in the studio and you could plausibly do something a lot like what happens in this show. Right. Well, and since most modern pop music barely involves the pop performer at all, I mean, it's almost entirely produced without them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, you could definitely imagine that if you can extract some songwriting patterns, then you could basically replace them. I mean, the last piece of this is the... the they also have the voice synthesizer for the robot. That's exactly it. Yeah, right. that's the last... And that's also very plausible these days. Again, it's not like there's a plug-in that we have where we can just, you know, pull up famous singers yet. But that's that's got to be coming. But like we talked about with our... Uh, uh, fakes episode you know that's coming like there's already software out there that can do plausible comedian level uh imitations of famous people based on a minute of data right so i mean that's not perfect and it's but if you have lots more data than a minute uh even with today's algorithms you can probably get relatively close there is that uh, software vocaloid too that is a Mm -hmm. you know vocal synth made in japan that has sung pop songs in japan um, I don't think we've had a hit in America with uh, with a synth, like you know, not like a talk box or a vocoder, but like a true, uh, completely synthesized voice. I don't think that's happened yet, but uh, not that I know of. Yeah, I I feel like it will soon. You know, it's um, it's getting better all the time, and at a certain point, you can just tell the machine what to sing, and it'll sing it for you. And if you have a pliable person, right, that you can get to sit there and say every consonant, every vowel, every permutation uh, yeah. of every yeah. uh, you know syllable, uh, then I'm sure that just makes it even easier. Sure. Right. Sure. Because yeah, like you said, there are demos where like it's like here's a minute of Barack Obama talking, and already we can do a pretty good job with that. So if that can work, then um, definitely this could work. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was actually, again, what my first instinct was, this is ridiculous. And then I thought about it more and I was like, no, the robot part is ridiculous, but not so much this. And I think that, I, I think that's a cool. Yeah. The details might've been a little silly, but I think the concept of being able to extract music from a comatose person is possible. Although I kind of feel like the more realistic thing is the person just dies and we just generate new music in the style of the person from the machine learning technologies that you were just talking about. Right. And it, it seems like, well, that's what they're, I mean, when they do the, the, the Beatles, for example, right. I mean, some of them are live, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's not, the, or Bach, right. Bach is Bach not super alive. dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Bach. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that's the more likely thing to do is it's, uh, you know, it's maybe um, the extrapolation of the uh, Tupac hologram or whatever. It's like, you know, the you resurrect the old uh, styles of the greats um, algorithmically and then you can uh, generate new material by them, have them do impossible collaborations, etc. Um, well, and that is the reveal at the end is they are making this like hologram performer to fully replace her. Yes. Well, that's to replace what they say is the most lucrative part of the music industry in this world, right? Which is live performance. Uh, And they're saying they've already got a way to replace her, you know, on record, but this is a way to to do concerts. And uh, it's not just a hologram. It's a gigantic hologram, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, very, very silly, but fun. And it feels like 
exactly just an explosion of what we're doing now into a larger, crazier, um, you know, uh, scale. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> now, and, and I think like thematically, this wants to be some kind of critique, I guess, of the pop music industry. It's not totally clear to me. <laughs> it's pretty muddled. I mean, can we talk about Nine Inch Nails for a minute? Is it time? Okay, let's talk about Nine Inch Nails. Okay, so you may notice while you watch this thing, if you are um, of a certain age, let's say, that all the songs in it, every song this Miley Cyrus pop pop singer sings uh, is a reskinned Nine Inch Nails song with happy lyrics and a more poppy production. But it's still minor key and it still has the melody of like Head Like a Hole or whatever Nine Inch Nails song it is that they're rewriting. Head, head Like a Hole is the main That's one. That's one of them and there's like, I think one or two others. And, uh, and I, I, I mean, I recognized it right away. I was once a teenage boy and uh, I know what that song sounds like. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's a very interesting thing that it is saying, I think. Um, oh, can we give away the end? Uh, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but there's yeah. like a coda at the end. Uh, where the Riot Girl's sister, Jack, uh, has now joined a band with uh, a reformed Ashley O as the singer. She's free from her manager. She's she free can from her manager. make the music she wants. And the music she wants to make is like a harder rock music, which is just basically the original version of Head Like a Hole, but performed by this uh, sort of um, Riot Girl-ish band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has the original dark lyrics and everything. Head like a hole becomes achieving my goals in the in the poppy version. <laughs> I hadn't remembered that. The, the word the word substitutions actually are quite funny. Yeah, they are funny. They're like this positivity language, and if you can't get the original lyrics out of your head, like I couldn't, uh, they provide deep, you know, irony while you're watching. But it's weird what it's saying because I think you know there's some like surface level on which Black Mirror is always kind of saying. Uh, you know, the 90s were like a sacred time before technology ruined everything and uh, made evil people too powerful or whatever. And I think that's like the easy, obvious way to read it. But I think there's a more interesting reading underneath that, which at first when I was listening to it, what it kind of made me think about is how similar all pop music is and how little the essence of it um, has to do with the packaging or marketing of it. And that you know, the fact that you can change the lyrics uh, to a supposedly very dark pop song like Head Like a Hole and then all of a sudden it sounds like a Katy Perry song. I, I'm not sure that that's an indictment of the present. I think that that's just sort of a, an interesting fact about the abstractness of music and that what makes a piece of music work like a strong rhythm and a good melody doesn't have that much to do with uh, with how it's sold to you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the, if the presentation has this like poppy, like bubblegum exterior, right? Like that puts it in that genre, even if the, you know, the underlying notes are basically fundamentally the same. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, for everybody, like mo- a lot of people, most people listen to music like with, you know, heavy appreciation of the context, right? Who is the artist? Uh, what do they look like? Where are they from? Um, and it's not just like, you know, what is the the literal music, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that... Yeah, but I think that abstract layer does cut through and affect you, even though, yeah, you're right, our, our, our discussion of music is super context-driven, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like there is like that other level on which music affects you, which is just the notes and the harmonies and the rhythms interacting in your brain that are not as context-driven. And I think... 
in a way this gimmick made me think about that part of music more than uh than the obvious idea that like you know you know like the the same fangirls who love they're like minor characters who love ashley o when she's doing the happy version of the song think it's terrible when she's doing the rock version but it's actually the same song so it seems sort of like the um the movie is saying to you you know these people are stupid they're not seeing the real value here um but maybe it's also saying this other thing about context about you know they can't appreciate it because it's in this other well it, yeah it's i don't know it's I mean, I th- these are all interesting topics. It is in, in the actual thing. It's a little muddled what is being said because now that I think about it, it also seems to want to say, uh, you know, oh, she's being forced to make music she doesn't want to make. But if it's sort of fundamentally the same song and it, she's just being forced to present it right in a different way, that is kind of what's happening. That kind yeah. of under maybe it, it sort of undermines some of the point they're trying to make like well does it or it's hard for me to i'm not sure i mean (laughs) well look look i mean in a different version right yeah where the song that she plays uh you know at the end yeah she's playing her own music and the song that she's singing in the beginning when she's being sort of forced to to do a certain pop style they should be like more meaningfully different right wouldn't that make the the point that she's being contained and held back more yeah, and I think this points to a general problem about trying to make um, drama about music, which is it often requires you to write or obtain music mm-hmm. that's almost like a whole different job on top of... Right. Right? And so they did something clever. They obtained some already existing good music from Nine Inch Nails, and they you know they dressed it up, and it gives them the this irony. But I think you're right that it actually does complicate the point, and it's not clear whether what they're saying is that, you know all pop music is equally meaningless or that the melody is the thing and that the style is irrelevant or that they're saying that the style is everything and that, you know, the, the song is irrelevant. I mean, I almost feel like it could be read any of those three ways, um, which is interesting intellectually, but it's a little bit frustrating, I guess. Well, and something that, I mean, I think is a little less ambiguous, a a topic or Mm -hmm. theme is just how she's being exploited at all right Right. um and i think we have maybe already touched on this on this show uh but it's probably been a while um the notion that using technology in particular whether it's like this crazy hologram technology or you know extracting stuff from dreams or whatever yeah um of what you can do with an artist's brand potentially without the artist's consent Right. Right. Um, When that's technologically enabled. I mean, again, of course, you know, like the history of music industry has, you know, record producers exploiting artists. Oh, yeah. uh, Without needing to resort to fancy tech. Right. Uh, Right. Right. Ghostwriters and the like have already done all the kinds of things we're talking about. Right. Except that the speed and scale could be drastically increased if you can automate this stuff. Well, and you could sign a, as an artist, you could make the mistake of signing a contract that gives away, you know, your uh, right to your image in such a way that, you know, long after uh, they've fired you or, you know, they still have the ability to basically make songs starring you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That use your voice and your, uh, like, like an algorithm, like trained on your ideas, right? Or like, I mean, it's, I mean... 
it's unclear, you know, since they can't straight up copy your whole brain as they as they do in this show, right? Um, that they they have some limit, but they could, you know, if they had you for a while, they could again gather all of your all of your vocal samples and maybe a lot of information about, um, you know, your like sort of your songwriter's process and your notebook. If they if they had your your sketch recordings and your demos and things, yeah. Um, you know, and again, th- some version of this already happens, right? They already like you know release stuff after artists die. Sure. You know, like that's cobbled together. When from... they get Jeff Lynne to take uh, yeah. John Lennon's tapes and make like a Frankenstein right. Beatles song or something, yeah, stuff like that happens. Um, and you know, if John John Lennon's already passed on, then that you know, maybe that's fine. But if someone's, you can imagine still being alive. And having just signed a bad contract and you're putting out records that you didn't directly yeah. okay, which is which is weird and right. creepy. No, I feel like I've heard of this in other industries. I, I'm not sure if this is actually right, but I feel like Paul Frank or somebody like that who's like, you know, a well-known designer is like fired from the brand that bears his name. Okay, so yeah. So like his like logo and name appears on products, but he's not affiliated you know, so like I think that sort of thing absolutely can happen, and you could see it uh, getting really bad for somebody. You could also see a sort of Warholian approach to this, where that's not a mistake at all, and you know they scan you in, and then it makes art for you, and you stop making art, and it's not a matter of them firing you or something. Maybe this is a little bit better contract that uh, theoretical Andy Warhol has come up with here, but uh, you know the whole purpose of your art becomes my art is made by a machine that thinks it's me and uh my signature is stamped on it and all of that and you can kind of make it about that right well and if especially if you do it as a persona yeah uh where it's it's not trying to imitate you it's trying to imitate the aspects of you that you share with it right right uh and you could have several of these out there making records like different facets of your personality exactly um which is a cool idea or evolving over time you know well and like new ones every year and I, well, and I mentioned earlier, you know, there are people beginning to make these uh, concept records. Um, there's one called Hello World. Oh. Um, that is, it's not, it's not like a generated AI personality. It's not exactly what we're talking about, but it's, you know, it's, it's an entire record done intentionally in collaboration with AI technology writing part of it. Uh-huh. Right. So it's, you know, it's an adjacent concept. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to probably see more of that just use. I mean, that's probably the main use case here, right? It's just to make new and interesting right art um, well and one of the questions about this thing is uh this scheme that's in the black mirror episode is why lie about it right <laughs> right like uh, maybe a better approach for the aunt had she wanted to win this battle would have been to not hide all of this stuff and pretend that the pop star was on board or something but just let her be dead and people mourn her and they resurrect her digitally and they tell everyone that's what they're doing kind of thing well well wait they i mean they do have her in a coma right like I mean, well they have to- her in a coma because they're extracting the dreams from her but let's say for a moment that instead their plan was to just generate things in her style from their vast uh trainable ai uh brain that mm-hmm. they have and and resource of her notebook and past hits right mm-hmm. since they don't want her style to change anyway it's in fact part of their goal to prevent her style from changing they wouldn't even be bothered by any limits that that system had of like not being as creative that would be fine for them they don't want it to be that creative they want it to be just minimally creative to be similar to what they've already done so they can keep selling and i don't know it just seems like they could do a 
you know, more above board version of this that would still have some of the creepiness aspects, perhaps, but would not be as clearly evil as the plan that they. Well, or more evil if they just if if the drugs just killed her. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the murder part would be more evil. Correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, they don't they don't necessarily need her in a coma generating source if they have enough of a well-trained model ahead of time. Right. They could even let her live and like not let her use the name or something. That's kind of an interesting idea. Like she's in some coffee shop somewhere singing the songs she wants to sing, but she has to have her own, you know, a different name and personality or something. Right, right. Of course, in the world of this story, they'd probably be mad that that's like diluting the brand or or something, or competing, or you know. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure they'd have to hide who she was, otherwise, it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't work for them exactly. Um. So what did you? Oh, you know what? And I was just reminded of too mm-hmm. is this idea of you know you know basically getting a like a musician into a contract where you like can totally control their output by like you know if not literally scanning them by having enough data on them to make music without them um Mm -hmm. we've seen this before dramatized in the context of actors right do you remember the what's the movie that does that i i'm totally drawing a blank on the on the name a scanned actor movie oh yeah uh congress congress Yeah. yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's basically that concept, but applied to to an actor. Right. Right. Yeah, I've actually not seen that movie, but it was described to me recently, so that's why I knew what yeah. you were talking about. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's a, a movie that um, that does that, and I think that movie goes like way out into the future. Then after that, it's a super weird movie. Um, that is like ostensibly the concept, but there's also a lot going on in that movie yeah. that isn't just I, that. I've not seen it, but it's been described to me and I was like, oh, I got to watch this. This sounds nuts. Um. <laughs> I have like a, I watched it when I was really, really tired and I think I might've even fallen asleep. Not because I didn't like it. So I, I actually need to rewatch it too. But, okay. but it, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty relevant actually to what we're talking about. Yeah, sure. Well, and I, I, you know, Bob Zemeckis has been trying for years to get rid of actors and uh, they, uh, they scanned some of um, uh, Carrie Fisher, didn't they, for the Star Warses? Or they somehow have been recreating her after her death for Star Warses? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know exactly how. I mean, that's actually. a very high-profile example of doing this. Yeah, so obviously whatever they're doing at Lucasfilm is like going to trickle down to us in however many years and start, you know, and like I'm sure that's the most high-end version of it. But it definitely can be done. You can um, You can fake... Uh, having people who are dead in performances of various kinds. And, uh, of course, they've been mining the old tapes of dead people for years, like you were talking about with John Lennon, or, you know, they keep releasing Tupac albums or whatever, you know. That seems like uh, those kind of things are just going to get more and more um, lucrative, I think, right? So they'll continue, I would imagine, and they'll get easier to do. I don't see why not. So... Uh, let's get to what we thought of this episode big picture okay like uh where does this rank for you in terms of black mirror episodes or just in general did you did you like it so because i haven't seen every blank mirror episode i can't rank it total uh i would say i did like it and um i liked it more than some of the other absurdist satirical ones like i would compare it to the puppet that become the digital puppet that becomes the politician like Mm -hmm. that one um which is another one that like I liked, but wasn't my favorite. Uh, I think this one felt a little better to me because something about the, 
um, the tone of it made it more clear that it was a fairy tale. So I was more accepting of the, the robot silliness. And I did, you know, have a serious like eye roll at the, it's the same thing they do in Westworld, you know, at the moment when the girl like uh, takes off the limiter, that was the biggest problem for me personally. I was like, uh, I just feel like this is a dumb thing I see so often. Right. The equivalent thing in Westworld is, well, they increased one of the characters intelligence. Yeah. Like on Tim like an, on one of those iPad things. Yeah. They just, they just like crank it up to super intelligence level. Yes. Like, with a slider and there's another <laughs> slider that's like cranks down the obedience or something it's so dumb and yeah, yeah. it's like yeah it's it's a really dumb s- s- dumbly written scene in westworld and in this i think they make the same mistake but but that aside the performance by miley cyrus i thought was very affecting um she seemed to have a deep understanding of the complexity of the life of a pop star not surprising i guess and i thought the writing was good and i thought the uh the you know the stuff where they're extracting the things from her dreams were pretty interesting the use of the nine inch nails song certainly made me think i don't know exactly what it was supposed to mean but well and it was enjoyable just was. on an aesthetic level yeah no so i basically liked it i mean oh and the other thing is that i felt that it uh it it, it displayed cruelty in the way that i like which is i clearly understood who benefited from the cruelty Right. So to the extent that it was cruel, it made sense to me, which I like. I mean, it gets pretty dark, right? Yeah. Like as these do, you know, they're keeping her in a coma, drugged up intentionally so they can yeah. like, you know, and, and there's some sense that she's like slightly conscious of what's happening to her. There's a funny moment where when they take her song and make it more positive than it's supposed to be, her life readings or whatever flash or something, right? Right. you know, and, and like as if she's like expressing, you know, from within a coma, like her dislike of what's happening to her. Yeah. So that's pretty dark i mean the fact that she's like trapped like in this un like semi-conscious state being exploited yeah but you know they're obviously the manager has something to gain yeah Um, and she has a whole backstory of she's the caretaker she took over for the kids parents when they died she kind of lost her chance at life to raise this kid she feels like the kid owes her something so there's like a whole reasonable villain backstory for this lady of like what why how she benefits and why she cares and why she's gotten into herself into the position she's in and now she's kind of stuck i mean she can't really back down she's she's gone too far i would say this yeah. entire season of black mirror completely uh avoids that problem of like illogical cruelty that runs through a lot of the other seasons yeah I and mean, we haven't talked about the remaining episode yet but i feel like even that one kind of avoids it. that one is not about illogical cruelty either yeah that one also has uh structural cruelty which is something that's interesting to me but it's but it's not pointless it makes sense <laughs> i also like this one because it had yeah, again, while it was silly in some ways, right? Yeah. It, it because the tone was the way it was, it worked for me. It really felt fun, right? Like as they like where the episode and the episode, the tone I think gets even more absurd as it goes. But where it ends up is basically this heist story, right? Where it's like the team of the two girls and the robot <laughs> together yeah. trying to rescue. Uh, the pop star in a coma, like by, yeah. you know, and it's, it's a fun adventure. And, and yeah, we should point out, cause I don't know if that's super clear. Like the robot is the pop star, right? The robot's got the pop stars mind inside her. So she's trying to save herself. She's like looking at her own body, like having an out of body experience, trying to save herself. She does uh, the robot itself does a bunch of daring things to even though it's little and can't be that effective and then the girls have to sort of help it so yeah it is, and it's very it is fun it's very cute but it's very foul mouth yes right right yeah i mean it had this like very like broad quality of like a like a madcap 
you know, adventure movie or something for a, but I found that quite enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of a movie I like very much, which is uh, robot and Frank. Oh, sure. Which is a movie that has an old person and a robot, but they also do something kind of fun and adventurous, uh, in that movie. You should watch that if you haven't seen it. Well, let's just compare this to the one we talked about last episode, right? Uh, yeah. Which would be your favorite of the two? Well, the other one I think was, um, more speculatively interesting. So on that criteria, I might say I liked it better. Um, but I, I enjoyed both of these episodes quite a lot, actually. What do you think? Yeah, I think I like that one better. I think like the, that one's a little more, the, the, the themes are more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I've been negative about Black Mirror in the past. I like this season quite a bit. Well, I, I can't speak for the entire four seasons. I haven't seen all of it, but, uh, for me so far, this is like maybe my second favorite season after the first. Uh, we're going to start making sure that we always give you a little bit of lead time. We're going to post what we're going to do on, on both our Facebook and our Twitter. So if you want to be ahead before the episode comes out on listening or watching or reading, whatever it is that we're going to talk about, um, go ahead and, and check those feeds. And like, that's how you will know. Um, we'll tell you when we do know, but sometimes we're kind of figuring it out as we go. Yeah, that's right. All right. Until next time. I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And you've been listening to Review the Future. To subscribe or leave a comment on this episode, please visit reviewthefuture.com. You can also send emails to feedback at reviewthefuture.com. Thanks for listening.